Previously on Heavy Metal Historian, we investigated the influence of subgenres such as power metal and gent. We also examined the origins of industrial, coming from philosophy and jazz, from noise music and experimentalism, and then onto the rise of industrial metal, taking the lead to a massive commercial breakthrough in the 1990s. Now, we conclude our look into industrial metal as we look at where the style was during the beginning of the 21st century and where it's going now. From the legacy set down by groups such as Nine Inch Nails, Vast, Ministry, Rammstein and Marilyn Manson, we search for what's in store for the future of industrial metal. Welcome to episode 30. I'm Greg Davies, your heavy metal historian. In the year 2000, there was an attitude prevalent among music critics that industrial was extinct, that elements of the style had been adapted into other rock and metal scenes, leaving the originators without a unique voice. But nothing could have been further from the truth. As a matter of fact, many of the newer industrial bands at the time, like Power Man 5000 and others, were simply absorbed into the new metal scene. And although the label strictly may not have applied to the bands musically, they were nonetheless part of the scene, part of the era, and a part of the times. At the closing of the 90s, there were three bands we identified in our previous investigation into industrial that would be carrying the torch forward for the genre. Rammstein, Strapping Young Lad, and Vast. All three bands, Rammstein, Strapping Young Lad and Vast, were responsible for releasing specific albums that would refresh industrial. Two would move on into differing directions. Strapping Young Lad integrated sampling and other industrial components into their 1997 City release, but their following albums relied more on the guitars, bass and drums, opting for a more extreme metal feel. Likewise, though perhaps on the other side of the spectrum, Vast took Industrial from a different perspective on the 1998 Visual Audio Sensory Theatre album, but their subsequent albums moved into more of an indie acoustic realm. And so it was that Rammstein brought Industrial further and deeper into the 2000s, embracing the elements of the subgenre and mixing it with their shock rock sentiments 
delivering a unique sound to the world of metal. Another circumstance would help bring resurgence to industrial metal, the internet, and specifically, social media. While the interactive nature of the internet hit into mainstream life during the mid to late 90s, the entrance into the 21st century signaled many advances. Faster internet connections, and thus an ability to download and eventually stream media at a higher quality than ever before. This turned out to be an enormous boom for unsigned and independent bands. But another group of bands benefited from the shift in internet technology as well, and most of them were industrial. In the first decade of the 21st century, several bands that had struggled during the 1990s faced new life because of MySpace.com. It turned out to be a site that brought fans across the world closer to the bands they discovered. It's important to put this in perspective a little. In current terms, many often joke about how MySpace is somewhat irrelevant when compared to services like Twitter or Facebook in this day and age. But the truth is, during the 2000s, MySpace.com was the biggest of the social networks, and it was most certainly bigger than Facebook at the time. While it initially was an instrument for people to connect, eventually it became a place where fans could connect with new bands. It provided a new means by which people could listen to music they came across at the site. The importance of MySpace during the 2000s to industrial music should be underscored and emphasised. It's quite possible that if the website never existed, the future of the style might look very different now. And the industrial metal band leading the charge on MySpace were shock rockers the Janitorturers. First formed in 1991, the band embraced the BDSM scene and integrated it into their music leading them to the 2000s in which they declared themselves to be the world's sexiest rock band.
A different band that benefited from the promotional power of MySpace.com during the 2000s was Dope. Formed in 1997 by vocalist Edsel Dope, the group forged their noise on the basis of hard rock and metal and injected elements of industrial into their sound. The band's debut CD, Felons and Revolutionaries, was released in 1999 and featured a cover of NWA's Fuck the Police. By 2001, Dope released their second album entitled Life. The release would be a milestone for them as it featured an aggressive song they would be remembered for, Die Motherfucker Die. Also riding on their success on MySpace was a band by the name of Mindless Self-Indulgence. Started in 1997, the group was a contemporary fusion outfit aiming to merge rock, metal, hip-hop, electronica, techno and industrial into one unified sound. It was a style that they referred to as Industrial Jungle Punk Pussy. After their debut album in 1999 called Tight, MSI followed up with their sophomore and conceivably their most well-known release. Frankenstein Girls will seem strangely sexy. The album features the artwork of Jamie Hewlett of Tank Girl and Gorillaz fame and contains the tune, Bitches. scale, Anal Nathrak would form in the UK in 1998, but would benefit more for the later rise in recognition of Facebook than they would MySpace. Originating as a purely black metal band, the group would eventually evolve into blending a range of extreme metal subgenres into an industrial foundation. 
After several album releases in the 2000s, the group injected strong industrial influences on the releases. When the fire rains down from the sky, mankind will reap what it has sown from 2003 and in the constellation of the Black Widow from 2009, while never straying too far from their brutal black metal backgrounds. Also emerging during the MySpace era was The Birthday Massacre. As the band progressed into the first decade of the 21st century, they forged a dark wave and goth rock fusion for their sound, and it was built on the basis of industrial rock and the heritage of industrial metal. While sites like MySpace and Facebook were of great help to The Birthday Massacre, the biggest boost to their success was the one that the music industry was fighting against, Napster. The group used file sharing services and sites like mp3.com to great success during the period and they have remained popular for over a decade despite receiving very little commercial press or radio play. The Birthday Massacre refers to themselves as the black sheep of the Canadian music scene. Their internet presence has provided them with a facet of longevity as they continue into the 2010s. Coming out of New York and later moving to Detroit Rock City, electronic musician and remixer Scott Albert, better known as Clayton, began experimenting with electronica and industrial during the 1990s with projects such as Circle of Dust. 
But in the first decade of the 21st century, Clayton emerged with a new project attempting to fuse drum and bass and other electronic forms into a rock and metal basis. And he did so by adding an infrastructure of hardline industrial music. Entitled Cell Dweller, the project would make many songs that would eventually be used in movies, television, trailers, and video games. Taking a cue from Marilyn Manson, the Death Stars appeared in the 2000s from Sweden, basing much of their work in the style of gothic metal and of shock rock. Developing a dark image with face paint and a gothic style, the group explored lyrical concepts of shadowy social commentary. Citing other shock rockers like Kiss and Alice Cooper as big inspirations, the Death Stars also found huge success via services like MySpace. Much later, the band gathered more followers through YouTube with their strong visual appeal. The group is known for numbers such as Synthetic Generation, Blitzkrieg, and Cyanide. In 
In 2003, CombiChrist originated from Atlanta, Georgia, merging the rising agro-tech sound with an industrial basis. The band benefited greatly from online support across the board from MySpace to Facebook to YouTube and elsewhere. The outfit was founded by Norwegian musician Andy Lepliga, who was also responsible for groups like Icon of Coil and Panzer AG. Like Nine Inch Nails, CombiChrist is a solo effort in the studio with a band lineup for touring performances. The first decade of the 21st century also saw the surge in popularity of a band called Hansel und Gretel, although they had been around since 1993. Their early material was an experimental sci-fi focused electronica, but as they shifted into the 21st century, the group moved into a more forceful metallic edge built on industrial. Hansel und Gretel, despite the German sounding moniker, titles and lyrics, are actually from New York City. They're regarded as the only American New Deutsch Heart band out there. Their albums in the 2000s were rooted profoundly in industrial metal. But in 2014, the band explored a concept that they referred to as Black Forest Metal. The concept of, what if black metal was invented in Germany, and stirred it together with their industrial roots.
Thanks to the internet and specifically social media sites like MySpace, Facebook and YouTube, a new generation of industrial groups were able to connect with a new generation of fans, bringing revitalization to the genre. Groups like Termian Katliot from Finland and Eisbrecher from Germany and several others all gained big followings because of the manner in which they embraced the internet and the way they connected with their fans. Similarly furthered because of the internet was Cybreed, formed in 2003 in Switzerland by vocalist Benjamin Nominet and guitarist Thomas Betrassi. The pair developed Cybreed into an industrial metal band, with a basis in groove metal and melodic death metal, delivering aggressiveness to their style and sound. Australia in 2004, Angel Spit entered the industrial shock rock range, integrating elements of horror and cyber goth into their image and their music. The group aspires to blend elements of punk and metal with electronic and industrial inspired works. Left Spine Down was founded in 2003 in British Columbia, Canada, 
founded by Jeremy Inkle, a frontline assembly. The band regards their style as cyberpunk, but has solid roots in digital hardcore, electronica, and obviously, industrial metal. Gothic and shock rock imagery remains popular with present day and up and coming industrial bands. The concepts and imagery associated with cyberpunk are also of significance. Since its breakthrough in the 1990s, industrial metal has had a tendency to fall back on the conceptualizations of cyberpunk with a robust focus on technology. Merging the elements of cyberpunk and tech into their music, the bands of the dark wave scene of the 90s also began to experience revitalization during the 2000s. As they journeyed forward, Many bands such as Diary of Dreams also began incorporating more industrial bits into their sounds.
As we move into the future, it's certain we may see more of these explorations, particularly with regards to tech and its integration in civilization. With Moore's law defining the exponential growth of power and technology over time, the rising concerns of automation and the concept of the singularity, these concerns and ideas may be explored in further detail in future industrial. But there are also the modern concerns of technology additionally searched for in some cyberpunk stories as well. Sociologist Sherry Turkle has written publicly about her concerns for humanity's interpersonal relationships being made less real with the ascendancy of communication through smartphones and other mobile devices. Our reliance, or over-reliance, on technology may be an area that could be explored by industrial. Then again, there are also the current topical privacy issues being discussed in reaction to Edward Snowden's revelations about the NSA abuses around the world. This is a contemporary area that industrial artists and cyberpunk stories have already focused on, and you can be sure there will be more to come in this area. This leads us to an additional area industrial has recently focused on, politics. Issues and concerns and controversies surrounding politics have always been explored in the subgenre, but the current scene has shown a revitalization of interest in the area, and it brought resurgence for two of the breakthrough groups of industrial metal, Nine Inch Nails and Ministry. I believe the title was Bin Laden Determined to Attack Inside the United States.
The political landscape of the 2000s proved to be fruitful ground for both bands. While they persevered through the late 1990s, when music critics alleged that industrial was dead, the 21st century enabled Al Jorgensen and Trent Reznor to enjoy huge comebacks. Their triumphant return cemented them not only in the historic rise of industrial, but into the future of the scene as well. Al Jorgensen channeled Ministry's efforts to be politically outspoken during the first decade of the 21st century, dissenting to the George W. Bush administration and their stances on many issues. Meanwhile, Trent Reznor took a stand against the commercially driven political motives of the RIAA, releasing some of his music to fans for free. And Reznor was also outspoken about the problems with the music industry, suing fans for downloading music, among other problems. But the 21st century also saw Reznor take a political stance like Jurgensen, exploring political storms with the dystopian album Year Zero. Rob Zombie also experienced a resurgence of success in the 21st century as well, returning to his horror roots with the Hellbilly Deluxe 2 album in 2010. The sequel to his most well-known release signified a return to form for Zombie, a trend that continued with his follow-up in 2013 
venomous rat regeneration vendor. Likewise, Marilyn Manson had a return to form with the 2015 release, The Pale Emperor. While not on the same mainstream level of success, John Crosby of Vast experienced a return to form as well, with the Bang Band 6 EP of 2008 travelling back to the industrial origins of the group. Crosby also began working closer with his fans, releasing a demo CD of songs selected by them for a future release on the album Making Evening and Night. of older bands and the emergence of newer ones benefiting from fan followings on the internet continue to influence the groups of tomorrow. But the future of industrial predominantly lies in the hands of the up-and-coming bands out there. Finland's Ludicrous add a death metal element to their new industrial music, having released their debut album Ultra Boy Discount in 2014. Over in Sweden, Harkla meld a darker groove metal component into their sound while staying close to their industrial roots. And the renaissance of industrial is also coming from the Middle East, with Svengali coming out of Dubai blending metalcore with industrial on their 2015 debut, Theory of Mind. In the meantime, Forhexet Alley from Copenhagen, Denmark, termed themselves as post-industrial black metal, creating a unique but ambient exploration of the style.
Belarus is correspondingly contributing to the future of industrial with the band Dizador developing a unique electronic metal sound. While over in France, the band Broken Down delivered their doomed stoner metal chic with a strong industrial influence on their 2015 debut, First Spit. Meanwhile, also in France, the band Hujai merges industrial into their ambient voyaging of black metal and death metal. And in Northern Ireland, the outfit Refuse blend a heavy melodic driven style built on the basis of metal and industrial, though discovering it through a shoegaze and drone perspective. Industrial math punk outfit Horvin continue releasing their material on Bandcamp, making it available to fans, while IO Tipok Mazin from Italy likewise use the site to deliver their unique experimental noise that is deeply rooted in post-industrial metal. True Deceiver originates out of Portland and fuses together a folky electronic vibe mixed with an industrial drone for a distinctive shoegaze feel. 
Hershaft from France are also dispensing a new industrial sound, staying close to the cyberpunk and electronica influences. Let's see how the architect has done away with disturbing noise in the home. Suppose we just look into things a little further and see what architects and engineers are doing to help us get rid of tension, rid of tension, rid of tension. Ensemet 777 create an altered kind of dark space sound, merging heavy influences from Burzum's black metal, but blending it with droning industrial tendencies in a style that's fully improvised. Meanwhile, Swedish industrial act They Ate Isengard bring the style to a cybergrind era and restoring the noise music aspect of early industrial with their avant-garde post-metal works. Australia's De Mortus Estamore merges pop ballad sensibilities with ambience and drone, built on a foundation of industrial and post-metal, while the band called In Virgo blend the styles and sounds of Nine Inch Nails with Linkin Park, tinging their hard rock and metal foundation with industrial touches. (laughs) 
As can be heard, industrial metal is not only resurging, it's flourishing. The style is also evolving into experimental landscapes, coming full circle to the avant-garde approach first ventured upon by the likes of Throbbing Gristle. Moreover, it's evident just by searching sites like Bandcamp.com that the lines are increasingly blurred between the electronica side of the spectrum and that rock metal edge. Newer sounds and styles are emerging out of industrial, and as a part of it, integrating elements like dark wave and the avant-garde, developing subgenres such as dark space, cybergrind, and more. With the lines blurring, it's safe to say that not only does industrial have a big future ahead of it, but I dare say we will be seeing the rise of new metallic-based subgenres coming from these new innovators, exploring and experimenting with the styles and the sounds in the scene. And now it's time for a prehistoric mosh. The first outfit to break through into the mainstream with industrial during the 1990s was Ministry, but in their early days, they sounded exceptionally different from what they do now. While deeply inspired by the industrial works of Throbbing Gristle, Cabaret, Voltaire and more, Al Jorgensen's earliest incarnations of the Ministry were also very swayed by New Wave and synth pop. Before their periods of aggressive industrial works, early ministry was more of a synth-pop industrial journey. From their early days, one of the more popular songs in the clubs at the time, particularly with the gothic subculture, was Every Day is Halloween. Let's take a listen.
now, let's take a look at This Week in Metal News. After several weeks of cancellations, clarifications and rumours, Ozzy Osbourne has finally cleared the air. Black Sabbath will be doing a final farewell tour, but it will be next year, in 2016, not this year as originally assumed. Ozzy confirmed the plans during a press conference, also mentioning the band intends to record another album. On the other side of the Black Sabbath camp, former drummer Bill Ward, after a very public spat against Ozzy regarding his absence from the band, has released his new solo album. Entitled Accountable Beasts, it is Bill's first solo effort in over 18 years. The album is currently available at iTunes. Meanwhile, former Venom members Mantis, Abaddon and Demolition Man have reunited in a brand new group they're calling Venom Incorporated, or Venom Inc. The band plan to perform Venom classics and also intend to record new material as well. Also reuniting this week are 1980s glam metalers Brittany Fox returning from a long hiatus. Billy Childs, Tommy Paris and Johnny D have joined with new guitarist Chris Sanders and are working on a new album. It will be their first release in 23 years since 1991's Bite Down Hard. No release date has been set for the new album at this point. Iced Earth is also working on a new album tentatively titled The Judas Goat, as the band is rejoined by drummer Brent Smedley. Smedley originally stepped down due to personal family reasons in 2013, but is reuniting with the band for this new album and the following tour. Till Lindemann, lead vocalist of Rammstein, has a new solo project in the works simply called Lindemann. The project is in collaboration with Swedish producer and multi-instrumentalist Peter Tagtron and will release their debut album called Skills and Pills in May. The cover artwork has been unveiled and can be seen on the Lindemann Facebook page and at metal news sites like Blabbermouth. Death Metal Legends Goreguts have announced they will be releasing an anthology of demos on vinyl. The collection, entitled And Then Comes Lividity, is a colossal compilation of demos that the band has recorded since 1990. Sepultura's 30th anniversary track, Under My Skin, will be released June 5 on coloured vinyl. The artwork for the release was created using pictures of tattoos from Sepultura fans across the world. In the lead-up to the release, the band will be headlining a North American tour in May, supported by Destruction and Arsis. Halloween have released a new song called Lost in America, available for streaming in advance of the release of their new album, My God Given Right. The streaming single is out now as well, and the first single from the album is called Battles One. Halloween's new album will be released on May 29, and the new singles can be heard streaming at YouTube. And finally, in our unusual piece of news this week, it's been revealed that Slipknot's Corey Taylor was offered to star in the VH1 series Rock of Love. The three seasons currently out there feature Poison's Brett Michaels in the main role, but bowed out on the fourth season. VH1 apparently offered the role to Corey Taylor, who replied with, Don't ever call me again. Links for the news can be found in our show notes for this episode at heavymetal666.com. And if you find any metal news you think we should talk about here on the show, please share it with us over at reddit.com slash r slash metal news. On the next Heavy Metal Historian. After studying the origins and rise of power metal, we now turn our attention to the final chapter of our journey into the subgenre, its future. We explore the emergence of a new generation carrying the torch forward into the 21st century and predict what's in store for the future of power metal. Subscribe to Heavy Metal Historian at iTunes or Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook or at Metal Podcast 666 on Twitter. 
email us at metalpodcast666 at gmail.com if there's a subject you'd like heavy metal historian to examine or report on, or if you have questions you would like for us to answer on a future episode. You can also hear me with Aaron Chavara on The Blendover Show, bringing you the news that the news isn't covering over at blendover.com. We'll catch you on the next heavy metal historian, Hails and Horns, and until next time, one of the emerging groups over at bandcamp.com moving industrial into the future is the group Saviour. Coming from Los Angeles, Saviour aims to merge metal with industrial in their music, with robust atmospheric stylization. Though they lean a little closer to the electronic side of the coin, Saviour are an excellent example of the lines continuing to blur between metal and electronics in the world of industrial. From their Invulnerability EP, here is Saviour and their song, But At What Cost, as our closing headbanger. Thank <laughs> you.